why was I saying? Oh, because Kyle Lowry is a difficult name to say. That's why I usually call him L.A. Face Oakland Booty. It's yes. just much easier. Yes. Rolls off the tongue. Yo, you're listening to Spinsters, a podcast where we should be offline more often. I am Jasmine Watkins at Jasmine L. Watkins on Twitter. Community Engagement Manager at Buzzer. Shout out to the home team, co-host of You Late, which is a podcast with Nikias Duncan, where we give you the rundown of things that have happened and what's coming up. And that's my whole spiel. And you're a Lakers fan. Yes, I am one of those amazing people. <laughs> and Thank you're you for... very famous. Not famous, just a regular person who says shit on Twitter. I think two or three times I've tweeted that if I could only follow one person on Twitter, it would be you. I, I wanted to make that my banner one day. But I know how <laughs> how shy you act. Me? Yes, you act very shy. And when people give you compliments, you <laughs> don't like red. it. Or you turn super red. Oh my God, it turns so red. I wish my Hungarian side came through more than the Irish side because it's just like cherry red. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I got to wear cool colors, honestly, because if I wear warm colors, it just makes it worse. You remember the first time I sang the Nick song back to you? Oh my God, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I was, I love the Nick. <laughs> oh, that was so great. Oh my God, I'm so ready. Sorry, it just, it gets stuck in your head. Okay, you have been on Twitter. I've been following you for what? Well, since I was an intern of yours and you were my boss. Don't say it like that. Well. I happened to work at the place that you were interning at. I wasn't your direct boss. I didn't make you give me coffee or anything like that. No, definitely not. You weren't uh, Meryl Streep, Devil Wears Prada. Iconic movie. It's really such a good movie. And yeah, you were never my Miranda Priestly yet. I am waiting for that day. But you definitely are who I think of when I think of NBA Twitter. Because you are. You're the social media expert. You are funny. You are very online. But so am I. So that's fair. My experience with Twitter has been good. I learn a lot. I've met great people. It's also been bad. Some rape threats here and there. You give one Giannis opinion and all of a sudden death is wished upon you. But that's not really a unique experience. And it comes in all forms. So today you're exploring for us, right? What is it like to be on NBA Twitter when you're not a dude? Yes. And and that's why I want to talk to these five women, five of my Twitter friends from different walks of life to highlight the good and the bad and the ugly of Twitter. And I want to start with someone who got on Twitter at a very young age. When I was 12, I created a Memphis Grizzlies fan Twitter account. Literally, because all my friends at school were like, Molly, please stop tweeting every single thing that happens. That's Molly Morrison, a 22-year-old woman from Memphis. My Twitter handle is at Molly Hannah M. Right now, Molly has over 52,000 followers on Twitter, and that's only her personal Twitter. She's also created an account for Grizzlies fans called Made in Memphis. That one alone has over 20,000 followers. But almost a decade ago, she was just a 12-year-old girl that liked to tweet. I called it Made in Memphis, which are my initials. Thought that was kind of fun and sneaky, but I also I was 12. I didn't know anything actually about basketball. You've had a, a pretty meteoric rise in, in NBA Twitter. 
I just want to know like what your thought process behind that was in remaining anonymous for so long. Did everyone always assume you were a man? There was no reason for people to really believe that I was a man. I never, despite maybe saying man occasionally, I never said anything like I wasn't a man. I never pretended, tried really hard. It just kind of people assumed I was one. And I mean, I had a man and I had Tony Allen in my profile picture, but still like I used to be like very cautious about my diction. I would say, man, like I would reply. I still say, man, but I would call people, man, like, thanks, man. Like, I never say that. And then I kind of started to shift into just not doing that. And completely like my friends would always say, Molly, it sounds exactly like you. How do people think this is a man? But it just goes to show that like our initial thoughts when we see somebody knowledgeable about sports is that they have to be a man. But Molly was about to see just how much that would change. It was kind of spur of the moment, but one day she decided to reveal who she was. There were no games that day, so the timing was good for something like this to blow up. Molly's friend took a picture of her, and then Molly wrote a short piece to go along with it. And then she hit send. It's funny because nothing about it was intentional. <laughs> like, and it just kind of worked out brilliantly and it almost instantly started blowing up. It was wild. So it happened so fast. I had a story written about me. I went on the Chris Vernon show. The uh, account on Twitter at Made in Memphis One revealed itself. Who is it? Molly Morrison. You. Oh, it's oh. you. Hi. It's you. <laughs> that was nothing. I could have even fathomed. I thought it would be cool if like a hundred people liked my tweet and were like, oh, awesome. Like, <laughs> glad I know now. Let's let's keep hanging out. I was like, all right, cool. I'm glad <laughs> I don't have to pretend to be somebody else. So and not pretend to be somebody else, but just not be myself. Um, that was the craziest 24 hours of my life. Well, what was the overall reaction when you finally revealed it was you? I had no idea people would care that much. And I also forgot that a lot of people not only thought it was so crazy that I was a woman, but also that I was so young because I mean, I was 18 and I had already had that account for what, six years. So people were so nice at the time. It was only local. I had never pissed people off. Really. I wasn't like a controversial account. I was just a fan. I asked Molly if anything changed in her Twitter life after the reveal, but I already kind of knew the answer. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, I think people would not try to discredit me as much. I think people would not reply to every viral tweet I have and be like, you guys are only interacting with this because she's a woman that you think is attractive or she's an average looking woman, you know, or like whatever. Just, just it's like wild because I did, I did have that experience for six or so years. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to post something that I like the way I look and, um, And if that bothers people, then that bothers people. I think that men are going to be bothered by a woman who is succeeding and also not hating herself. So that's just can't let that worry you. Molly hit on something that seemed to keep coming up when I talked to women on Twitter. Men online being bothered by a woman's success. She wished she could just be on Twitter, but she was no longer just a basketball fan. She was a female basketball fan. It's why it's easier for some women to be anonymous on NBA Twitter. 
Oh, okay. Um, my name is Shawnee. I go by Shawnee. Handle is natural underscore wonder. O-N-E-D-U-R-R. Don't ask the explanation behind that. I can't really remember. I met Shawnee through Twitter a couple years ago. My first impression was that she was very strong-minded and not shy about her opinions. For a long time, Shawnee was anonymous on NBA Twitter, live tweeting during NBA games, caping for Russell Westbrook, and sharing her very strong WNBA takes where no player is safe. I won't repeat them here out of professional courtesy. Originally, she hid her identity because she was applying for a job. What she noticed was having an anonymous Avi on Twitter allowed her to easily navigate traditional male spaces. Avi means avatar, basically what you choose for your profile pic. So Shawnee decided to stay that way. Her picture was that anonymous mask guy. You know, the one that the hackers use, but with long acrylic nails and hoop earrings. So I just kept it up for a little bit. And then like once I saw the response, when I started talking sports, I it just became the most fun social experiment I could ever perform. The tone in which they spoke to me when they thought I was a man was completely different than when I had my actual Avi up. So then it became easier to just have conversations and have disagreements and actually talk sports without all the misogynistic nonsense you got to cut through and all the condescension and this, that, the third. Here's the thing about when people come for Shawnee. She's not just getting it for being a woman talking about sports. She's getting it for being a black woman talking about sports. So yeah, why not be anonymous for a while? So then I was like, I kind of enjoy this piece. It gives me the freedom to say what I want to say. And people have to think before they respond to me. And it just, it, it became a thing. What, what made you finally start using your own picture? I went to the beach. <laughs> That's really it. Like, I don't like taking selfies, really. So I only take like two good ones a year. I took like my, <laughs> I took like my second good one and was like, meh. Sometimes when the thirst trap comes calling, you have to listen. The desire to talk freely about sports remained. It was around that time that her and her friends started a group chat in the DMs. I'm in that group chat. It's 20 women who love talking basketball, a place free of male opinions where we could still have conversations about LeBron, always LeBron, a place for our hottest takes without repercussions. A place where I can talk about sports in all its dimensions with people who look like me. And at the end of the day, it's just jokes. A place where we can go and not have to deal with people in the replies. And, you know, we wanted to have that space where we can speak freely because, like, what I'm noticing, men that get into the WNBA, like, they can come in hot, right? And horny. And that gets so annoying. Like, yeah, that's my boo. That's my girl. Like, bro, I'm watching the game. I don't want to hear that. But it's like the second I say, like, oh, this player has a big old butt. What are you doing? <laughs> the sanctity of the NBA is tainted because you call Kyle Lowry thick. Like, stop. And it's just like, bro, come on. It's not that deep. And y'all do this all the time. So it's like we wanted to have a space where, like, you know, like some people are joking and I don't mind that because like I, if I have that rapport with you, it is what it is. But then it's like it spreads to now people you don't know telling you like we don't want to hear that, get help. Da, 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 da. And it's like you're not in this joke. We don't have to filter ourselves in that group chat. It's a space where we can talk about sports however we want to in whatever capacity we feel like. 
And by the way, we have great takes. And there have been some conversations we've had within that chat that it's like they're more nuanced and it's better to have amongst women before we have on the timeline. Because it's like, you know, somebody's going to misinterpret or the misogyny is going to, you know, show its ugly head. So they're not even going to see the point that we're trying to make. So it, it just it became a good space for us to talk about multiple sports in multiple ways, just without any external mess. Yeah. What I like about that is that at times I get kind of bogged down being on Twitter and it's like, whatever people come to me for, like whatever they follow me for, that's what I have to be. But in the group, I can kind of be like a person and a woman and somebody who watches sports all in one. And I think on the timeline that kind of gets lost in the shuffle, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you know, sometimes you gotta bite your tongue, sometimes yeah. like and especially like you, you are the celebrity, like you have a brand cold, right. you've got the blue All check, right. like the pressure, the pressure, you're back. We gotta take a GoFundMe, take some um <laughs> donations to get you a massage because you just you carrying, you know. So oh we, my God. I don't always like the things that you say, and you know that, <laughs> but I'm just glad Tony, you have the Tony flames me regularly in the group chat. <laughs> Her opinions just be so, and that's another thing, like we can get off our hottest takes, like things that we didn't, like, you know, we know other people might stare. So like, yes, we are absolutely judging each other, but like, I would rather be judged by that group chat than the timeline. I mean, it's probably because us judging each other over Caruso love doesn't end up in actual threats like it can if these opinions are shared for everyone to see. Like, it's not that serious for you to be DMing me telling me my heart and opinion was stupid in the first place but like I'll take that that's on the mile scale I'll just laugh and keep it pushing but like you know you start calling people out their name and like saying they deserve to be raped in this that the third it's just like it makes it not fun to talk about at all the group chat gives us what we can't always have on the timeline it's a nice reminder of the good part of twitter connection this group of women wouldn't have met without it So sometimes you got to swim in the shark infested sea that is Twitter. And while Molly and Shawnee were able to wear a disguise for a while, when they took it off, in came the real Twitter. What makes it change so much? I mean, I know the reason. We've all gotten those get back in the kitchen jokes. But you go from respect to harassment that fast over LeBron, over Harden, over LeVar Ball. They're intimidated, that's why. This is straight up intimidation. What other emotion allows you to just randomly come up to a woman and just pop quiz her on something that she says is a hobby? Mm. What motivates you to do that outside of being downright intimidated by what she knows and what you don't? It's like, I just don't have time for this. So Mm-mm. this is Alyssa, a lawyer from Texas. She loves the Astros and baking and speaking out on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Lissa, L-Y-S-S-A-H underscore A. It's just my name separated. I am a Houston sports fan, unfortunately. Something you'll notice after following Alyssa on Twitter for a day is the fearlessness. She regularly goes back and forth with people on Twitter. She's not shy about putting her opinions out there, even though she's well aware pushback is probably coming her way. She's made her peace with it, but it still makes me uncomfortable seeing it. Now, would you say you are 100% comfortable tweeting your takes about Rockets Twitter, even if they are negative? Am I 100% comfortable? 
no. <laughs> because Twitter is such a big place. If you get one person, you all know you got you got that one person. If, if they quote tweet your tweet, then that tweet's gonna be everywhere. And then it can get to the wrong side of Twitter. And then I accidentally get involved in Warriors Twitter and now it's a whole shebang and I don't have time for that. <laughs> so I do proceed with caution when I do tweet about sports, uh in particular the Rockets. Uh, yeah. I saw a line get crossed with Alyssa. I love a good debate, a little back and forth, but what the shipmen were saying to Alyssa, it went a little too far. Actually, a little isn't right. Some men on NBA Twitter were attacking her appearance simply because she had an opinion. I remember one night, this is when Russell Westbrook was still playing for the Rockets. I remember one night you had said something like negatively about his performance, but you were right. He, he did not play well that game. And then before you know it, and now we're getting into Stan Twitter. Before you know it, like all these Westbrook stands, and trust me, they are a hive. They are coming out of nowhere. Oh, uh, well, at that point when Russ was on the team, I was already acclimated to being trolled by Stan Twitter. It's fine. Stan Twitter, for those who don't know, is a community of people who will obsessively stand up for celebrities and put them on a pedestal. You send one critical tweet and bang, it's like a bat signal. And it's funny because Rockets fans and Westbrook fans have always had kind of like this long standing beef between each other. Although the players are like besties in real life, it's always this like animosity due to the MVP or blah, 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 OKC type thing, whatever. I don't know how it originated, but it's just kind of what it is. Um, I cannot remember what I tweeted, but I know I was right, you know? <laughs> you were. You were. Just to pause here, the quote unquote opinion was that Russ was having a bad shooting night. And statistically, he was. I know, I was right, I know. And then um, it's one, um, I call it player Avi Twitter. Ah, yes, Avi Twitter. So basically, if you have a current player as your Avi, that might be a red flag. Even worse, having a player in your Twitter handle, like WestbrookGoat69. If you have both, Please do not reply to me. I know it's about to be some foolishness. So I saw one comment. I'm like, whatever. And then I see three more. And then they're like, oh, take this ratio. A ratio is when the number of replies on a single tweet are far higher than the actual retweets and likes. It's a sign that a whole lot of people disagree with you. And it's not like they have like in anything important or engaging to say, like if they want to have a meaningful dialogue. No, they're just being like rude or ugly or nasty. Um, I remember like somebody was photoshopping my pictures. And it's so funny. It's so funny because one of them came <laughs> into my mentions because uh, I was like, why are these rustings in my mentions photoshopping my pictures? It's not that serious. And one guy was like, nobody photoshopped your picture. And I'm like, how do you know? He's like, well, we have a group chat. Oh, my God. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, player Abby Twitter has a group chat. Just the rustings now. They have a group chat. And whenever they see a tweet that they don't like about Russ or whatever the case may be, they just attack they just pounce and I know I'm not the only person that it has happened to I just ended up like blocking every every I could just but I don't even care if you giggled at it if you liked the reply you were blocked you know yeah it's kind of have, what you have to do to protect yourself in um NBA sort of because it can get really really nasty and I'm a strong person so it didn't bother me as much but I know people that it, it has negatively affected because it's turned into something very despicable 
I guess um, it turns from you just stating your opinion until people are like sending you death threats and things like that in your DMs and stuff. And I've had that happen as well. But yeah, it's it's a wild experience just being on NBA Twitter, just voicing your opinion. You don't know what you're going to get. Why do you think so many men mm-hmm. who are like stands mm-hmm. are anonymous? Because they can't handle the pressure it takes to be visible. I think. Mm. And it makes it easier for them to, one, get their bad takes off because, hey, don't nobody know me outside of this app because I'm never going to tell nobody my personal information, you know. So if Quentin over here talking bad about the Celtics, but he was a Celtics fan three years ago, we ain't going to know because Quentin is uh, a Cavaliers fan now. So nobody's going to know, nobody's going to check him on it, you know, unless they actually know the guy behind the Abbey. And I think, you know, that's, it's kind of smart to me. I, I, I Sometimes I wonder if I should be anonymous too. Um, but no, that's just not me. And and that's when I, that's part of like why I wanted to do this because just mm-hmm. the little things that women say yeah, make such a huge difference in these random men. And you never know their face because it's always some athlete or yeah some team logo they got a cat they got lebron <laughs> they got lonzo they got everybody but they face but they are so opinionated yeah. i just i have a hard rule like if you don't have no abby our conversations are brief i don't know you enough to talk to you <laughs> like i just why am i interacting with a cat i don't <laughs> Alyssa is able to dismiss the harassment she gets online from men. It's never been that easy for me. I tend to block people, but what they say lingers and it sticks with me for a while. I've gotten it from all kinds of men. Threatening ones, sleazy ones, ones with ulterior motives. There are like two categories of men that interact with women's sports. Well, I want to say three. One is the men that are so appalled that you like sports that they feel like you're a unicorn. And if they don't date you, they'll never come across a woman that likes sports again. That's the first section. The second one is the men that don't believe you really like sports. So they want to ask you, so who was the starting lineup in 1997 against the Wizards and mm-hmm. XYZ? And now if you don't answer the question within 15 seconds, you're not a real basketball fan. That's the second. That's the second set, right? Mm-hmm. And then some of them be trying to flirt with you like that. Like, don't give me a pop quiz because you have a crush on me. I am not in school. You are not my professor. Why are you asking me all these questions? The harassment Alyssa gets is a mix of both. Either you're not like other girls, which is another way of saying this man doesn't know any women, or he's saying you're faking your fandom for approval. Both are gatekeeping. Both stem from this mindset of you don't really belong here, but I'll tolerate you. But what happens when Alyssa says something they disagree with? What happens when that tolerance runs dry? I'm not a combative person, but if you want to start a fight, I'll be more than happy to end it. Uh, So I know for me, it's hard for me to not engage with people and let them know exactly how I feel. But when it comes to NBA Twitter, especially player Avi Twitter, they'll get their friends to jump in. And all of a sudden, it's 20 different Avis of the same person, like me, like calling me fat or ugly or stupid or X, Y, Z. And I just feel like it's better for me altogether. Let me just mass block all y'all. 
let me lock my account so y'all cool off. And then when I feel comfortable, I'm going to unlock it. And I bet not have no foolishness in my mentions when I get back, you know? Someone said that locking your Twitter account is like locking the front door of your house, you know? I, that, that makes yeah, sense. just make sure that you're safe. You know, I, I can't have my door open uh, for everybody to be walking in and peeping through my windows and stuff like that. You know, I'm a Houston girl. We don't we don't play all of that. You know, I feel you. <laughs> That's big facts. I don't mess with people from Houston and I'm from Atlanta. After the break, what happens when a woman on NBA Twitter uses her voice, her actual voice to confront an NBA player? My name is Sandra. Uh, Twitter handle is Sandy Side Up. I am the creator and a co-host of the NBA podcast Dishes and Dimes, and we dish NBA. Um, we are heavily Raptors focused, uh, and we're all women, so it's pretty dope. Sandy noticed there were a lot of women in Raptors Twitter, the subsection of NBA Twitter where Toronto gathers to be sad about Kyle Lowry. But there were no women on Raptors podcast outside the occasional guest or two. She sent out a tweet saying she didn't understand how this could be. And a lot of people agreed. That tweet blew up. Enter Dishes and Dimes. And I, it kind of went semi-viral um, on Raptors Twitter. And it turned into me having a pod, even though I'm incredibly shy and anxious and it literally doesn't make sense for me to be speaking on anything so first of all it does make sense sandy is just as smart if not smarter than a lot of people in raptors twitter she's very insightful and sees things that a lot of beat writers and commentators don't a couple months ago sandy did something incredibly brave something that for as much grief as twitter has given the women i talked to wouldn't have been possible without the app she hosted a Twitter Spaces. It's kind of like a virtual room that people can click into. People actually speak in Twitter Spaces, using their real voices. Only the hosts who create the room can speak until they give another person permission. Everyone else is a listener. But that's the thing about Sandy and Shawnee and a lot of the women I talk to. They want to give everyone their time to speak because they know how it feels to not have a voice. But that can also lead to more harassment. The Twitter spaces I'm talking about happened in July. We need a little backstory first, so here's what happened. The New York Times had just dropped a report that said ESPN's Rachel Nichols was caught on tape saying something very disrespectful about her coworker, Maria Taylor. There's a lot to the story, but here are the clip notes. Nichols was upset that she wasn't renewed as the host of NBA Countdown. And this is where it gets really upsetting. Nichols suggests on tape that Taylor was made the host of NBA Countdown because Taylor is a black woman. Nichols says she only got it because of ESPN's, quote, crappy longtime record on diversity. The comments were insulting and felt like a gut punch. And it didn't even pertain to me. Like people think we only get these jobs to fill a quota. I know these kind of things are said in corporate America behind closed doors, but to actually hear it felt degrading. But a lot of people stood up for Rachel. And when Sandy hosted a Twitter spaces to talk about what happened in that New York Times article, she was met with support, yes, but also some very, very loud resistance. Unfortunately for them, 
this was not the day to mess with Sandy. I was just in a really bad mood that day. <laughs> Perk just found me on a really bad day. Like I was in a bad mood and the conversation obviously was pretty heavy. And so me and Iman specifically who ran the spaces, we were kind of in a weird space that night. Iman is Sandy's co-host on their podcast, Dishes and Dimes. Because, you know, having to kind of explain your place as a Black woman, specifically Black women that are in corporate spaces already, um, it was very sensitive for us. For Sandy and Iman and me, this isn't just something that happened between co-workers on TV. This isn't just a hypothetical. This is our reality. We understand that Rachel being you know, the token woman in a predominantly kind of male space is, is, is difficult. It's, you know, she probably had to work really hard to get that position. And that, you know, there is a problem with the fact that women have to fight for scraps in, in these positions. That's a valid point. But when it came down to the fact that she was willing to talk about it being a diversity hire, that's when it became less about women being in in these positions and it became about her racism. One of the things Sandy talked about on the Twitter spaces was how some companies like ESPN can give the illusion of diversity without actually having it. Specifically how on Rachel Nichols show, The Jump, ESPN put two black men, Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson beside her. For me, I had a problem with them putting these two black men, Perk as, as one of them, to kind of sit adjacent to her to, to make her look less racist, right? Like, right. oh, this is my black friend yeah. um, and I've helped them. And, and they played into it perfectly. Like I've never had a problem with her. And it's like, can I say nigga? Yeah. Nigga, that's not the point. The fact that she helped you one, you're an NBA champ. You're a fucking millionaire. Like it helps her career to be friendly and nice to you. That's not, she doesn't get points for helping a coworker, a potential coworker who also had a career in the NBA. What shows her politics and what she really believes in is what she does in private. And what she did in private is bar a black woman from a job, even though it wasn't gonna affect her right. the grand scheme of things, right? So I was just speaking my mind on that whole situation. It was going well. People were engaging because Sandy was speaking from the heart. And then it took a swift turn. I, initially, I didn't even realize that he was in, in the spaces. People were like, yo, Perk is here, Perk is here. That's right. Kendrick Perkins has entered the chat. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna keep ripping because I'm in a bad mood and he's here. And if he's gonna listen, he's gonna listen. If he wants to leave, he wants to leave. And then I just went off. Instead of listening, Perk decided he wanted to defend himself. So he requested to speak. And Sandy allowed it. And in the process of doing that, he was trying to tone police me, which I have a problem with because I didn't ask you to come to the spaces. I didn't at you. You decided to come on stage. I'm going to speak the way that I want to speak. If you have a problem with it, exit left. He didn't. And he decided to say that, you know, the only person that he's loyal to um, is his wife of 19, 20 years. Nobody, like, he has to feed his family as if he's, like, some poor-ass nigga. <laughs> And, oh, I, you know, worked two years for ESPN for free, which is, that's your problem. I don't know why you're doing that. You're perk. Like, you don't need to. Yeah. So, like, you know, all these excuses came up. And then I said at the end, like, okay, 
this is how I feel. I feel like you shouldn't have been the, the person standing there to protect this white woman when you have a black woman that deserves the position that she's being offered and you're not willing to keep that door open for her. And that speaks to the rest of us who maybe want these positions in the future. Like you're closing the door, right? You're shutting it so nobody else can get through. And I had a problem with that, right? Like if you're not willing to speak up for us, especially when some it's somebody who's talented, who knows the game, who deserves the position, right? what the hell are the rest of us gonna do? There's no way we're gonna be able to get in. And he did not care. He got off stage, he left immediately. He started in other spaces um, of yes bros and yes men telling him that he's right and, you know, be about your paper. And then it spilled into, oh, she's fucking white men. So I don't know why she has this opinion. I'm like, first of all, my pussy has nothing to do with this. (laughs) Mind your own. And I think it speaks to like, one, they're very uncomfortable with people speaking to men, like specifically women speaking to men like that, but also people feeling like they have to defer because he's in a position of power. And I literally don't give a shit. Like it was just really telling that he had no intentions of really listening to what we were saying. As black, as two black women who deal with this on a regular basis, he literally was just like, it's no of no concern to me. It was very eye-opening to me especially when he started the other spaces. And then there was somebody in my DMs that was you know, st- spreading rumors about who I was sleeping with, which had nothing to do with anything. And it just hit me that, oh yeah, wait, I'm a woman in this space. So if I'm speaking that way, people are not gonna be happy about it and they're going to go out of their way to disrespect me. Why do you think it's, why do you think they go so far? Like they talk about a woman's personal life, but if yeah. they, are 100% against a man, yeah. they they pretty much just keep it on the surface. They think diminishing you in that way shuts you up, right? Because so often, like, it would shut us up. Being, being told that you're a slut or a whore for the longest time was the worst thing that as a woman you could be. And yeah. specifically in a male-dominated space, when a man tells you that this is who you are and therefore you don't deserve to be respected, all the other men are gonna follow suit, right? And that's what they wanted. They wanted all the other men that were listening to me to say she's not, her opinion does not matter because she is this type of woman. Yeah. And I just want them to know that I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I don't care what you think about me. Long after the spaces ended, Mm-hmm. you were still getting bombarded with tweets and I'm sure DMs. Yeah. And and what was your mindset at that point? At that point, it was just like, uh, this is going to be part of, if if I'm going to speak this way um, and speak my mind, I have to get used to getting these DMs and these tweets. Like that's going to be part of my experience on Twitter. And I have to just accept that or I have to move on and do something else. Um, And that's just the harsh reality of it. Why does that have to be Sandy's reality? 
or my reality or women's reality. But what she said definitely stood out to me. You have to put up with a lot of things to come back to Twitter every day. And some of us just don't have a choice. Because what if you can't log off? What if it's part of your job? Right, so my name is Caitlin Cooper. My handle is actually not great. It's at C2 underscore Cooper. Honestly, I've seen worse handles. I'm looking at you, Westbrook Goat 69 I cover the Pacers at Indy Cornrows, and then I've done some freelance work, one piece over at 538 here recently, and I cover mostly like analytical basketball, breaking down X's and O's is mainly my lane. Caitlin is known for her detailed breakdowns on NBA Twitter. Her page is filled with analysis, articles she wrote, and a lot of Pacers content. She's from Indiana. Whenever a coaching job is open, people joke that she should fill it. I'm in awe of her. But even though she's so knowledgeable and respected, she feels uneasy about her experience on Twitter. My handle only, it abbreviates my first name for a long time on Twitter. I did not share my first name. My byline at Indy Cornrows is just C period Cooper. Like just in my own kind of paranoia, I self-censored that a little bit because I was afraid what the response would be. Like when I was playing high school basketball, my dad also coached in the boys program. So I was always around coaches. And some of them weren't great. And I had one directly tell me one day, like, I prefer to coach girls basketball because they don't know as much about the game and they aren't going to argue with me. So there was like, there's a certain amount of conditioning that went on there that like, you know, we're not supposed to know a lot about the actual machinations of basketball. So when I first started doing this, I thought, you know, I just want it. It's one of my work to be based on the content of what I was producing and have people kind of accept it or argue with me or tell me how wrong I was based on what I was writing and not, you know, what my gender necessarily was. Caitlin is in a tricky place where she wants more people to see her work and she wants more opportunities, but understandably, she does not want the hate and the second guessing that comes with a bigger platform. The more attention you get, the more you have to prove yourself to new people. This is kind of the devil's game we all play with Twitter. Getting an audience means exposure. And sometimes exposure means new doors are opening. And other times, exposure feels like a bad thing, a vulnerability, or as Kayla might call it, a lot like Steph Curry on defense. That exposure means more randos in your mentions. Here just recently in the last week, somebody left a comment like discussing my work on Reddit and they had said uh, that I should never do a podcast again ever, that my voice sounds like SHIT. And then they compared me to uh, an a male anime character. So I don't even want to say who it is because I don't want to put that in people's heads. But like, and it wasn't even so much that it was like hurtful, like to see things that you already think about yourself as it was that I'm like, oh no, am I ruining people's podcasts? Cause like the person said that they turned it off five minutes in. So then I'm like, am I ruining this for the shows that I go on? Is this going to prevent me from being on other podcasts? And then, like I said, I've had videos where it's like the first comment will be like, oh, who is this person? They kind of look like a witch. Like, so I'm sure that the, the male audience probably, I'm not going to say that those comments aren't there, but I feel for women that, you know, it's, it's a kind of a different level and how that we're going to be judged differently whenever, you know, we're seen in visual or audio mediums. So do you ever worry that if you do step out into the national, like the nationwide and you're covering like basketball, the NBA as a whole, that maybe you would internally become a little more reclusive, even though you're, you're covering such a wide spectrum of hoops? Oh, I think that's a really good way of putting it and answering that actually, because, you know, the more that you do get put out there, the more you're opening yourself up to a wider circle of people who are going to be 
scrutinizing you. And it, it does like, I mean, I had that conversation. I was on another podcast after I had seen that thread and told the people like, you know, thank you for having me on again. I've been really self-conscious. I hope that, you know, this is okay because I don't want to turn people off with the tone of my voice. Obviously there's not, it's not really like you can hook up like an auto tune box and, and change what you sound like. So if I saw that at a, at a higher scale, I imagine that I would probably be a little bit less online if I had a much bigger following. Caitlin has her DMS closed. That means only people she follows can message her. It's a safeguard, a last line of defense or Rudy Gobert if you blow past Donovan and are trying to get to the hoop. Having her DMs closed filters out a lot of bad stuff. Unkind words, harassment, potential threats, and the worst one of all, the unsolicited dick pic. But it's a double-edged sword. Caitlin says her friends have gotten work opportunities through their DMs. Some met their agents there. So yeah, it can be a networking tool. But for now, it's a risk that outweighs the benefits for Caitlin. So I do wonder if that limits some of my opportunities, but at the same time, it's like, I, there's been a couple of times where people have sent me some uh, sketchy things via email. So I'm kind of afraid that like, if I, if I open up the direct messages, what kind of content am I going to be getting then? I've questioned myself, like, am I actually good at this? Do I have something important to say? Um, but then I have to remember, like, you know, there are a lot of people that have said, you know, that your writing is good or other stuff, and you can't judge that just on one person who may be going through something in their own life that's hard, and they've just decided to take that out and, and the form of mean comments on the internet. This is a catch-22 for aspiring female journalists on NBA Twitter. The way media is set up today, you basically need a Twitter, and an active one at that. It's a live-action cover letter. Here's my personality. Here's what I know about the game. Here's who I know. And here's a platform to share my work. But at what cost? Um, you being so, you know, out there and in the public, do you ever think that maybe one day you might reach your breaking point with NBA Twitter? That's a good question. I, I don't think that I would as long as I continue writing. I think that it's somewhat, you know, a blessing and a curse that you have to kind of just go through because otherwise, like if you're not using it to promote your work and you're not readily putting your name out there, I'm not sure you're going to get some of the same opportunities. I mean, that's a balance that I'm going to have to continue to find. Letting go of some of that and letting people know a little bit more who you are and what, you know, what type of person you are is important with connecting your audience. And, and that's something that the more that I get positive feedback from people, I think I'll let down some of those walls and hopefully continue to connect with more people. In real life, you can control who you connect with most of the time. If someone's rude to me, I can walk away. Again, most of the time. That being a woman stuff can kind of make life dangerous everywhere. But being online, you don't always have a say in who's engaging with you. I've met incredible people, like the five women I talked to, because we share a love for the NBA. And I've also met some really harmful people. But I keep logging on because I like the conversation and the community. There are some really good people out there. Maybe even you, Goat 69 
This episode of Spinsters was written and reported by Jasmine Watkins and hosted by Jordan Liggins and me. Our editor is Alex Ward, who got married this month, and we are so happy for him. Congrats, Alex. With production by Harry Krinsky, Isabel Jocelyn, and Jordan. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yells, and me. Jordan, Haley, Harry, how are you? John from Victoria, west coast of Canada. Um, two icks to report, two basketball icks. First is, guys, when you're running back on, uh, or you're complaining, complaining's fine, but run back on defense when you're complaining. I got no problem with complaining, but like, play really hard and run back on defense when you're complaining. Um, that's my first ick. The second one's complex. Um, my ick is when the Vancouver, I mean the Memphis Grizzlies compete to succeed. Um, I love John Moran, I think he's awesome. When he does amazing moves, part of me dies inside because he could be playing in Vancouver on the West Coast of Canada, where I'm from. That's a hard exercise because it makes you feel small inside. So thank you. Um, would love your counsel on this, and you're all awesome.